Good morning, Cultivate. How's everybody today? Everybody doing good? I am so excited to be here. And what a presence of Jesus filled this place during worship. Amen. And from the street all the way to the stage, the excellence and the hospitality was awesome. Can we give all of our servers a great big hand? Let them know we appreciate them. And we've been able to spend the last couple of weeks with uh, your lead team, your pastors, Pastor uh, Brandon and Danielle, Pastor Brandon and Jennifer. And man, we always love spending time with them because uh, they're great leaders for two great reasons. Number one is their authenticity. And number two is their integrity. And that's the two greatest things you want in pastors. Amen. Can you give it up for your lead pastors? Let them know you appreciate them this morning. Amen. And for the first time since Cultivate started, all these years I've been coming every year, for the first time I got to bring with me my wife. She is the cherry on my Sunday, the cheese on my nachos. Come on, everybody. My better half. She's in the back back there. Will you make Laura welcome this morning? Yes. Thank you so much. We just celebrated 39 years of marriage, 39 years. When I was trying to win her about 41 years ago, in order to do that, she took me to Six Flags over Georgia and got me on a roller coaster called the Mind Bender. I'm not a roller coaster rider, and it did more than bend my mind. I'll be honest with you, uh, I, I prayed the entire, uh, from start to finish, I spoke in a heavenly language. I backslid and recommitted my life to Christ several times. I promise God, if you get me off of this alive, I will never get back on another roller coaster for the rest of my life. And I kept that promise for 41 years, till about six weeks ago, I was with a lead team in Oklahoma and on a staff retreat, and they wanted to go to Silver Dollar City in Branson, Missouri. And all they wanted to do was ride the roller coasters. And since I had always told them, face your fears, I did it. And I got a short video I want to show you of those five roller coasters. There were just five, but that was five too many. Come on, somebody. And I mean, I couldn't believe it. What I had feared 41 years ago, now at 61 years old, I'm having the time of my life. I got my eyes open. I got my hands raised. I'm laughing. I'm yelling. I'm screaming. I'm having the time of life, and I'm realizing what all I've been missing over the last 41 years. They got a few pictures they're showing because one of these coasters, when it not only did spins and curls, but the thing you were sitting in also spinned. It came down the first hill backwards. You, were, you weren't even looking where you were going. And all those things, yeah, I had knots in my stomach. But when I got off of it, I was so glad that I had ridden them and I had the time of my life. Now, you might be looking at me saying, why in the world would you do something like that at 61 years of age? Well, I'll tell you why. Because coming through this pandemic over the last 18 months, I realize a lot of people quit living because they were afraid of dying. And, and, and I just got to thinking, you know, how, how long am I going to live? I'm 61, okay. So I went to this website called deathclock.com. 
And you put your information in, and they tell you when you're going to die. I'm going to die on July the 12th, 2039. At 79, well, I still got 17 years to go. Come on, somebody. And then I got a mother who's 92 years old. And, and she still lives by herself, drives her car, handles all of her own business. Back during the middle of the pandemic at her local church, she opened a food and clothes closet and started ministering to other people. In fact, just four weeks ago at 92, she started a Bible study in the housing development where she lived. I got to thinking, if I live to 92, I got 31 more years of life. I refuse to let fear limit my life and become a self-fulfilling prophecy of my future. And you should not let fear keep you from living. Instead of being afraid of dying, you need to be more afraid of not having lived. That's the very reason God sent his son Jesus into the world was to take away the fear of dying. Look what the Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter number two. It's very powerful, powerful portion of scripture. It says this, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death and only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying in other words Jesus Christ died rose again so that we would never have to fear dying again in our life and I want to say this listen Everybody dies. It's universal, but not everybody lives. In fact, over the last 18 months, a lot of people have quit living. They've lost the, the fear uh, of not living, and they've become paralyzed by the fear of dying. And I want to say this. There will always be things to try to make you afraid. There will always be excuses to keep you from living the life that God intended you to live. You've got to learn to see them as just excuses. Excuses are nothing but exits off the freeway of life that God has planned for you. In fact, you'll always find chaos in this world. There's going to always be chaos on the outside of you. But you don't need to let the chaos get on the inside of you. If you let the chaos on the inside of you, it'll begin to turn your world upside down. And sure, there are things going to happen like a worldwide pandemic that are going to take you down some detours. But too many people have gotten lost on the detours and they hadn't got back on the road that God had planned for them. I experienced this first many years ago when God began to show me that he wanted me to live back when my, my son was 20 years old, back in 2006. He had graduated high school, was doing some college, and he decided he wanted to do what they call a gap year. Now, I'd never heard of this phrase, gap year, before. When we grew up, we didn't have gap years, but you're hearing a lot now. Well, what that means is a gap year means that your child wants to take a year, do absolutely nothing but find themselves while the parents pay for it. That's what a gap year is. So we sent my son to Ecuador to stay a year to find himself. One Wednesday night, I was walking into church. It was about 6.15. We started at 6.30, and my phone was ringing. It was my son. I knew he knew I was heading into church, so something must be wrong. Sure enough, I answered it, and he is screaming and crying, 20-year-old guy, and he's saying, Dad, get me out of here. Get me on the first plane back home. I said, wait a minute, son, what's wrong? What's wrong? He said, I just got held up at gunpoint. I thought I was going to die. They robbed me. I, I thought, Dad, I was going to die, and I've been running ever since to get here. 
get me out of this place. And something happened very suddenly in my life. I'm thinking, how do I let my son know I love him? I want to protect him. I'll do whatever I can to help him. But at the same time as a father, how do I keep my son from running for the rest of his life? So I said to my son, I said, son, listen, two things. If you'll wait 24 hours, and in 24 hours, call me back. If you want me to get you out of Ecuador, I will. I said, but son, first wait and see if you still feel this way in 24 hours. I said, the second thing I want you to understand, son, is it's not Ecuador. You could have gotten held up walking down the street in Birmingham, Alabama. And so 24 hours later, we did talk. He decided to stay. When he decided to stay because of the environment he was in, just a few months later, he got God's plan for his life. He accepted the call to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in fact, for the last 15 years, he's been doing that. And just Friday, he ended up in Lakeland, Florida, where him and his wife are now going to be the campus pastors of Southeastern University, where they're going to impact the lives of young people over 3,000 every week of their life. Come on, can you give God praise for that? Don't run from fear. Don't run from the detours and the unexpected turns of life. In fact, just the next year, we were going to send my daughter to Kathmandu, Nepal. Every year, we would send our children somewhere. We wanted them to experience cultures in other parts of the world, give God an opportunity to do something in their life. So we would pray, find a place, and prepare for that. About six to eight weeks before she was to leave, it was all over the news that Kathmandu, Nepal had ended up in civil war. Bombs were blowing up. They were blockading streets. And the missionary couple there, we were in communication. They said, it is bad, but not as bad as CNN is making it out to be. We feel if she comes, she'll be safe. But you're her parents. You do what you think best. So me and my wife took our daughter into the living room of our home. We sat her down and told her what happened. And we said, maybe we need to pray and ask God if there's somewhere else he wants you to go. Our daughter surprised us. She looked at us and she said, but mom and dad, God knew when we prayed this was going to be happened and he led me to go there. So I think I should still go. Well, me and me and my wife, we're, we're bawling and squalling at this point. Then my 15-year-old daughter said something. We really don't think she understood what she meant, but this is what she said. She said, but even if something happens to me, at least I have fulfilled my destiny in life. Well, I did what any awful parent would do. I put my child on that plane and sent her to Kathmandu, Nepal. Don't you judge me either. My mother already did that. About three or four days later at another Wednesday night church service, my mother walked up to me with a stern look on her face, pointed her finger at me and said, I can't believe you put your daughter on a plane and sent her over to a place that was in civil war. Shocked, I looked at my mother and I said, Mother, you raised me this way. And then I told my mother this. I said, Mom, I want to tell you something. Just two days ago, 20 miles from my home in Albertville, Alabama, a nine-year-old boy was taking groceries from his mother's car to the front porch of their house 50 yards away. And between that car and that porch, a drunk driver came off the street and killed that little boy. You see, Mother, destiny, my daughter will be safer in the will of God in the middle of civil war than she'll be in my own home out of the will of God. You see, we got to quit letting fear keep us from living the plan and the purpose of God for our lives. I actually entitled this message today, we need to start living with the end in mind. What do I mean by that? 
the apostle Paul was writing to a local church, just like Cultivate Church. And he was talking to them about Jesus Christ being the foundation of our lives. That once we accept Jesus, he becomes the foundation we build the rest of our life on. In other words, everything we do after we accept Jesus becomes the life that we're building that we'll present to him in eternity. And then the Apostle Paul talks about that day that you and I who know Jesus are going to stand before Jesus. And this is what he said in 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. He said, but on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. Now, pay attention to this. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. That's talking about you and I. If we've lived our life for eternity, we've lived with the end in mind, what we've spent our life doing is for Jesus Christ and for others, then we're going to receive a reward there. But he said, if our work, listen to this, but if the work is burned up, the builder, that's you and I, standing in heaven will suffer great loss. And then it says this, the builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. In other words, God is saying this, that you can know Jesus. He can be the foundation of your life, but you can live your whole life for the wrong things, for your accomplishments, for your achievements, for the accumulations of things in this life, for a, for a bigger house or a boat on the lake. And when you get to heaven, you'll still be saved because Jesus is the foundation. But everything you have poured your life into will be gone. You'll be a soul saved, but a life wasted. In other words, you'll have no reward for everything you've lived your life for. So how can we live with the end in mind? How can we be sure that when that day comes, that we'll stand before Jesus and our life will have value and we'll receive a reward for it? Well, there's three ways. You, you might want to take notes and write some of this down. And the first way, and I think the very import, most important, is to live on purpose by listening to your passions. Live on purpose by listening to your passions. You see, in other words, don't get up every day and just let life happen. Don't just accept life, but get up every day and lead your life. Be intentional about living the life that God has planned and prepared for you. In fact, the two greatest days of your life will be number one, the day that you were born. And we've already had that day. Can we give a, a great hand for being born, everybody? Amen. But the second greatest day is the day you discover why. Most people don't know their purpose. That's why I love Cultivate Church. It's all about life on purpose. In fact, they have roots here. And I would encourage you to get involved in roots if you hadn't already. Because roots will help you discover your purpose. And the way you live your life on purpose is, is to understand that God puts certain passions inside of you. Things that make you sad or make you cry. Things that make you frustrated or make you angry. Things that make you laugh and make you want to sing and dance. In fact, think about it for a minute. How many times have you been watching something or hearing something? You're crying and other people are looking at you like, what are you crying about? They didn't cry, but you did. Or maybe you laughed at something and everybody's looking at you like something's wrong with you because it wasn't funny or it wasn't joyful to anybody else. 
Those are indicators God put inside of you. They are signs pointing you to your purpose. If you don't understand that, you'll let those passions lead you away from God. But if you'll understand it and listen to those passions and dedicate them to God, those passions will lead you to living out your purpose for God every day. In fact, I want to share a verse of scripture with you about Jesus. One day Jesus was in the temple. He was throwing over the tables. He was running people out of church and he was snapping a whip because religion had separated people from God. It had become oppressive and it was really taking people away from the love of God in their life. It had become rules instead of a relationship with Jesus. They were more interested in the length of your hair than they were the love in your heart. And Jesus came to do away with religion and introduce us to a relationship with our creator, almighty God. If you and I would have been in the temple that day, we'd have thought Jesus just lost his temper. We'd have thought he was out of control. We'd have thought he was throwing a fit. But the disciples that were with him remembered something in the word of God. John chapter 2 says it like this. It says, then his disciples remembered the prophecy from the scriptures. Passion for God's house will consume me. In other words, Jesus knew why he came to this earth was to abolish religion and to make people reconciled to God to have a relationship with God. These passions in my life have led me to my purpose. One of those passions in my life is that I get very, very upset and frustrated with injustice and racism. But instead of letting that passion become a problem, me getting on Facebook and post about it and blast everybody like some people do, I turn that passion into something productive. I begin to follow it. I begin to purposely bring reconciliation between people of other colors and other cultures and other nationalities. And that began to lead me on journeys of developing relationships I never dreamed of and seeing God do things that I never imagined he could do. And it's led me places I never dreamed I would end up. In fact, this very week, I'll do a men's conference and a women's conference where I'll stand before 55 different nations of the world and I'll be the only white speaker at either one of those conferences. Not because of me, but because I followed my purpose by listening to my passion. I want to encourage you to do the same. Another passion is that I grew up in religion. I grew up in all kind of rules and regulations, things that just oppressed you. It just sucked the life out of you. And so I, I had a passion. I had a joy to find churches and, and really develop a church that gave life to people. And we began to live that out. And that led me to meet two young men about 15 years ago. You may know these two young men. Their names are Brandon and Brandon. And I, when I met them, it was this passion they had and I had that pulled us together. In fact, they began to talk about a church they wanted to plant one day called Cultivate Church. The more I would listen to their passion, the more my joy would begin to rise inside of me. Until that passion in all three of us led us to ride around Alabaster for a couple of days praying. And we found ourselves in a hotel on, Long, on Lakeshore Drive spending a 
a couple of days dreaming and talking about it. In fact, they were going to plant the church in 2013. This was in 2010. I said, guys, what are we waiting for? We need to speed this thing up. Thank God they did. And in 2012, they launched Cultivate Church. Think about it. In that time to this, over 2,000 people in Alabaster, Columbiana, and all over Shelby County have accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Marriages have been healed. Families have been put back together. And many people have discovered their purpose in life. Come on. Can we give God praise for Cultivate? That's why you're here today. Because it's a life-giving church. That passion calls me and my wife and our church in Aniana to give the very last $25,000 that we had in a savings account and so that we could give $45,000 to help plant Cultivate Church. It's the greatest investment we've ever made, and we've never been sorry for that investment. Follow and listen to your passions. Get up every day and live life on purpose. The second thing that you can do is leave a legacy by loving people. Leave a legacy by loving people. In other words, the only way that you're ever going to stand before God and live a life that's going to have value is by loving and serving people. And listen, love is not an emotion. Love is an action. Look what 1 John chapter 3 says. Little children, let us stop just saying we love people. Let us really love them and show it by our actions. Now, I want to just say this to you this morning. I got some good news. You're going to die. Everybody in this room is going to die. We don't have to be afraid of dying. But if we want to stand before Jesus and receive a reward, we need to start living with that moment in mind. In fact, every one of us are going to have a funeral one day. What stories do you want told at that funeral? What difference do you want to have made in the lives of other people? Because the only way you can love people is by serving them. And that, that happens right here every Sunday at Columbiana and Alabaster. But it starts here, but it shouldn't stay here. It should go with you to your job, to the grocery store, in your neighborhood, even at your own home. Look for ways, search for ways, seek for ways to love people through your actions every day. If you will seek them, you will see them. It may be just returning somebody's grocery shop back to the shopping cart return. It may be opening the door for somebody, looking at somebody and smiling at them, encouraging somebody. I love to find people. People cleaning restrooms and public restrooms and just thank them for what they're doing. I'll even give them a tip. I want to show them that I love them and that they have value in life. Look for ways. You may want to text somebody. Just let them know you love them. Pray for somebody. Call them. Tell them you prayed for them. Make a difference every day in the lives of others. You do that, you will leave a legacy and you'll stand before Jesus and receive a reward. I have a friend I met about 35 years ago. His name's Ricky Johnson. I got a picture of him. That's Ricky. I got another picture of me and him and another guy named Adam. One of the greatest reasons I love Ricky was he was shorter than me and made me feel tall wherever I went. Ricky was such a servant. He would show up at our house. He would, he would blow all of our leaves and gather them up and take them off. He would do that for people all over town. Mow lawns for widows everywhere. 
He would feed people. In fact, every holiday before Ricky ever celebrated the holiday with his family, he would cook food with a bunch of volunteers and serve the fire department, the police department, and any other people that were working on those holidays. You see, he made a difference in people's lives because he served people. Every winter, he would take blankets and toiletries several times to the streets of Birmingham to the homeless people. About three years ago in 2018, he died suddenly, and I did his funeral. I was thinking of all the stories I'd tell, and everybody else already knew what kind of life Ricky lived. But then I remembered that he had written a vision for his life in 2001. So I went and looked that vision up and found it. I want to read it to you what Ricky wrote. He said, my dream and vision is to be the best servant I can be, to tell people about faith and the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and to help the hungry, hurting people of the world. And that's exactly what Ricky Johnson was known for. That's what was talked about at his funeral. And I believe when he stood before Jesus, his life had value and he received rewards because he had left a legacy by loving people. He got up every day and lived a life of purpose. And that's what God is challenging you and I to do. So what's going to be said at your funeral? I want you to think about it. The last way that we can live with the end in mind is to look forward to eternity by leaving the past. Look forward to eternity by leaving the past. I don't know what your life has been like up until now. You may have lived simply for yourself, a very selfish life. You may even know Jesus and have accepted him, but to be honest, you're not living a life of legacy. You're not living with eternity in mind. You just live in one day at a time. But I want to tell you this, that your future is greater than your past. And that God's not finished with you. In fact, if you're not dead, God's not done. And however you walked in this room today, you can put a period, turn the page, and walk out of here and start writing a brand new chapter. You can make a difference with your life and live with eternity in mind. Here's what a man named Paul, you know about him, he wrote two-thirds of the Bible. He was writing to a local church just like Cultivate in Columbiana. He was talking to them about his own life. You see, he had been a murderer. He had put people in prison for loving Jesus. He tried to stomp out Christianity. But one day he found Jesus and discovered his purpose. Here's what he wrote in Philippians chapter 3. Brothers and sisters, I know that I still have a long way to go. But there is one thing I do. Notice this. I forget what is in the past and try as hard as I can to reach the goal before me. I keep running hard toward the finish line. What finish line? To get the prize that is mine because God has called me through Christ Jesus to a life up there in heaven. He said, listen, I know I've done a lot of bad things, but I don't look to my past anymore. I've put a period on my past. I'm living differently now. I get up every day. I'm running hard. I'm reaching. I'm stretching. What? For the day I'm going to stand before Jesus. And everything I've done with my life is going to pass through a fire. I want it to survive. I want there to be value there. I want to tell you, you may say to me today, but Frankie, you don't want to know what's working against me. You don't realize all the obstacles that's come against me in my life. You don't realize what I've done. And you're absolutely right. And I don't minimize that. But let me tell you, no matter what's working against you, I know a God that's working for you. And listen, God is working for you. He is the way maker. He's the miracle worker. He's the promise keeper. He's the light in your darkness. And listen, 
Everything else may be working against you, but he's working. Even if you don't see it, he's working. Even if you can't feel it, he's working. He never stops working. In fact, he's working right now at this very moment. And he's working for you, and he's working in you. And no matter how you walked in this place today, you can walk out differently. You may have served Jesus a long time, or you may have just accepted him. But today, you can start living your life with the end in mind. I want to pray for you this morning. I want to give you an opportunity to accept the love of God in Jesus Christ. God's not mad at you. He took all of his anger out on Jesus when Jesus died on the cross. Jesus paid for every one of your sins so that you could live in relationship with God. I'm going to ask you to bow your head this morning. And as you bow your head, in your worship guide, that connect card Pastor Brandon talked about, if you'll pull it out, if today you want to start living your life for eternity, if today you realize you're a sinner, you've been rebellious and selfish, just living for yourself, and today you want to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life, you want to accept what he did on the cross for you, and I want to give you an opportunity to do that. There's a box on that card that says, I'm committing my life to Christ today. If you'll mark that card, God's looking at your heart right now. And if you'll put your trust in what Jesus did for you, and you'll just ask him to forgive you and surrender your future to him, today your life's going to be changed. You're going to be born again. You're going to walk out of this place a new creation. Heavenly Father, I pray for every man and every woman in this room. I pray for every one of us that right now you'll give us the courage and the faith to begin to look forward to eternity and leave the past behind. If you're accepting Jesus today, if you're making that decision, if you're marking that box, listen, people at both campuses will begin today praying for you and they'll send you a letter in the mail this week. But right now I want to lead you in a prayer. Just say it right there where you are in your heart. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. I'm a sinner. I've been selfish. I've did it my way. But today I put my faith in what Jesus did on the cross for me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for saving me. I surrender the rest of my life to you. In Jesus' name. Everybody say it out loud. Amen. Come on, cultivate. Let's give the Lord praise for those that accepted Jesus. Will you do that?